You're listening to IdeaFest Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Janak. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of IdeaFest Radio, the new podcast where we'll be diving deep into the minds of entrepreneurs, as well as catching up with some of the IdeaFest competition winners and former contestants. For the folks who aren't familiar with IdeaFest, it's an annual competition held right here in Danville, Virginia, where entrepreneurs from up and down the East Coast come together to pitch their business ideas for a chance to win $10,000 in prizes. Take a crack at winning some prize money, enjoy networking opportunities, or enjoy a seat in the audience. Either way, IdeaFest is a great way to involve yourself in the startup ecosystem in Danville and beyond. If you want to hear more about IdeaFest, stay tuned. We'll be talking more about that later in the episode. For our first episode, we have an awesome guest. He's a serial entrepreneur, and he certainly deserves that name after starting over five businesses. But before we dive into the interview, we have to give a shout out to The Launch Place. This podcast would not exist without you. For our startup listeners out there, if you have a business idea and you're ready to take the next step, head over to thelaunchplace.org to check out their pre-seed fund, their seed fund, their awesome accelerator space, and also their business consulting services. Go check them out and tell them that we sent you. Now, without further ado, here's our interview. Our first interview for our very first podcast is going to be with one of our advisors, Michael Duncan. He is currently the principal for, pronounce it for me, Michael? Danaki. Danaki Associates. Yep. And he, we're going to be talking with him about entrepreneurship, about business, about Danville, and how all three kind of snowball together. Sounds like a plan. So we're going to jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your history in town, and kind of how these different paths have all led you to being a serial entrepreneur, as you've claimed yourself to be. <laughs> well, Jeff, thanks for having me. I, um I am a serial entrepreneur. My wife says it's because I can't hold a job, Um, but the reality is quite different. Um, About 17 years ago, we we left the Washington, D.C. area and came down to Danville. I had uh, been running a consulting business up there for 20 years, and one of our customers had a manufacturing facility in North Carolina that was struggling, and they didn't want a hired gun to come in and fix it. They wanted an employee, and so I had kept telling them no for about six months, and Long story short, they made an offer to my wife that she couldn't refuse, nor could I. You'll find that that's true in my life, all kinds of places. Uh, and so we, we came down here. We ended up down here. That business, uh, we got turned around. It took nine months to fix the income statement. And um, they sold it to somebody else who promptly drove it and three other businesses into the ground. And so I had the opportunity to lay myself off along with everybody else. And that left me in a town called Danville, Virginia, which... Seven years prior, I had driven through and thought, how could anyone live here? Divine providence being what it is and that sense of humor, we ended up living here and not having a job, not having anything. And so I did what I always do, decided to do something different. So we opened a small manufacturing business um, just over the border in Providence, North Carolina, picked up a few former employees, and the rest of the story is pretty amazing. But uh, it all worked, and we ended up still here instead of leaving after a couple of years, which had been our original plan. So that was business number six. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Business number six. That was business number six. Now, had these previous businesses, had they taken place? You mentioned running a business in Northern Virginia. They had all happened prior to arriving in Danville, Virginia? Yes, they did. Uh, In fact, we sold 
well, not really sold. I kind of closed it down. The, the consulting business, which had kind of been the anchor business, been mm -hmm. there for 20 years, uh, out of which the others grew. We had, uh, we had three in Northern Virginia, and we had two in Europe, uh, one in Brussels and one in Greece. And those were manufacturing businesses as well. And uh, over the course of time, I like to tell people, I had five modestly successful businesses, relatively successful um, one of them was an unmitigated disaster. The one in Greece just just about bankrupted us uh, before we got here. And then um, this one was a huge struggle. It was very different because we were coming off of the disaster that happened in Europe. So we didn't have a lot of liquidity. But things worked out. Uh, a lot of interesting stories in that. But at the end of the day, when we finally moved into bigger digs in Danville, we came back across the river because we needed some place to grow into. And... Uh, at its peak, it was employing 106 people in our community. That's incredible. That's Shipping incredible. $14 million a year of product out of here. Talk a little bit about kind of the pressure and the the responsibility that, that you and other entrepreneurs feel towards the their employees, the people that have believed in their idea. Well, I can't speak for others. I can really just share my, my opinions. I come from a, a, a Christian background. Christian family. And so the value of personal relationships, um, that's been ingrained in my psyche from day one. And so it is a burden and a responsibility. When we, we started in our basement here in Danville, my wife was on her knees on a pillow, pulling lengths of wire out until they were eight feet. I would cut them. We would take them to a competitor in Roxborough, use his stripping machine, bring them back. Clint Garrison, one of my former employees, came to the house. We were hand crimping. We were making cables. That's how we got started mm -hmm. because a customer called and needed us to make cables from the prior business. Um, that very quickly grew to 23 employees, and every Friday was payday. And just like many, many startups, we were bootstrapping it. I mean, it was borrowing credit cards, you know, anything we could do to make it go. And every Friday was a nightmare. Our largest customer um, sent the checks, cut the checks on Wednesday. They were mailed from Pennsylvania. The postmistress in Providence would get the check Friday morning and bring it to the plant first thing so I could make payroll at the end of the day. Well, one day that didn't, the check didn't make it, you know, and, and I was out, I was tapped out. And, um, and Clint was kind enough to, to pony up some money so we didn't wow. miss the payroll. Um, he was not an equity owner, never was, but he stepped up and, and took a, a leap of faith that we'd be able to pay it back. Um, another quick side note is, is we were just struggling with operating capital. We were, we were growing. We were profitable on the books, but that's not the same as free cash. So right. entrepreneurs need to understand profit's one thing, cash is another. Um, and cash flow is just, it's probably the most important lesson I can impart to any entrepreneur. But what, what transpired is a call from a childhood friend who said one day, how is it going? And I was just moaning and groaning because it was Friday again, you know, in two days we had another payroll and I didn't have enough cash. And anyway, he said, what do you need? And I said, well, I need $5,000 to get through payroll. And this is a quote. He said, no idiot. What do you need? And I thought for a moment, and I said, if I had five weeks of payroll sitting in the bank, this would be a breeze. Now, it wasn't a breeze, but it was a lot easier. So the next morning, a check arrives UPS for $25,000 from a guy that I've known since sixth grade. I called him. I said, you're an idiot. We have two feet in the grave. This money, is, this money could go away tomorrow. He said, I can afford to lose it. 
You need it. You use it. Well, that was the smartest investment he ever made because that $25,000 has grown tenfold. It was a tremendous investment. Well, what it did is it allowed me and the business to stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow mm -hmm. and start really planning the growth of the business. And we filled up our first space of 10,000 square feet. I was looking for 25. There wasn't any available. Uh, so we moved back across to Dandel into 40,000 square feet, and it just took off. It just took wow. off. So one individual's generosity, and in, which in turn turned out to be a good investment, was really kind of the seed that you needed to unburden your mind from the short-term goals and really focus on the things that were going to make this business grow and, yeah. and become a profitable enterprise. Very, very much so. I mean, I, I have a little, I, I'm a list doer, as you can well imagine. Um, anal retentive, that's me. Uh, but the first thing on the list is do what brings in cash. Because cash is like blood. Without it, you die as a business. It's really, it's one of my 12 rules. But um, you have to bring in the cash. His investment, which at the time that he made it was a gift uh, because we weren't worthy of any investment, but it made the difference. It made, it made enough of a difference that we were able to take the success that we had enjoyed in terms of bringing new business to the table and I didn't have to worry about whether the customer was going to pay me exactly on time. Because sometimes they don't. Sometimes they forget to pay you. Sometimes an invoice gets lost. Sometimes they change the payment terms and don't tell you. By the way, all of those stories have real lessons behind them. Um, so you really have to focus on the health of the business, but you can get consumed by the urgency of payroll. That's a... Pretty, fa pretty fascinating bio, and also just uh, it, it shows that you do have some experience with starting things, running things, and, and this is certainly not, uh, th this is old hat for you. This is something you've been through more, more than a few times. I like to tell people I have the t-shirt and I have the flog marks to, to prove <laughs> it, so. Very, that's funny. That's very funny. If you're enjoying this episode, join us on Friday, April 1st, 2016 at the Institute for Advanced Learning and Research in Dale, Virginia for the third annual IdeaFest Business Pitch Competition. To pitch a business idea or snag a seat in the audience, visit www.ideafestdanville.com and like us on Facebook for more information. And remember, the deadline to sign up to compete is March 15th. Define entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is individuals, that's a person, that has an idea that's willing to work very hard to bring that idea to market. Um, it is someone that is willing to persevere, that is willing to go all in. Um, there are many people that, and I call them tire kickers, and that's not meant to be disrespectful, but they go around and they look at it and they kick the tire and they give this idea and they have this thought, but they're never willing to take the time and the energy to sit down and to make the thought more than just a thought. Um, I believe in planning. I don't, this is a, a business plan can be on a napkin. That's okay. But until you write it down and commit it to memory and understand where you're going, it's very difficult to stay focused. And that's where most people have the greatest trouble is staying focused. Because this idea is here today and another one comes in tomorrow and before you know it, there's a dozen things going on. 
and I promise you, you won't be successful at that. Pick one. Pick two, maybe, but don't do any more than that. Uh, so that's what an entrepreneur is. It's someone that's willing to give it a try and to put forth the effort and the, and the time. And eventually everything else. You have to be willing to go all in. If you're not willing to invest in your business, don't expect me to. One of the reasons I think Gary was willing to make his investment is because he knew I was all in. If it was going to go under, we were going to go under together. It wasn't just going to be his money evaporating. Very interesting. So it sounds like almost that there's not one thing that is an entrepreneur. It could be a mil uh, many different things, but there will be a series some of these characteristics, like you say, that is the common bond between all these different people with all these different ideas. There, it's it's still, like you say, it still links back to one individual making a choice and committing themselves wholeheartedly Correct. to that direction. And and it, it can be it can be a a beauty salon. It can be a manufacturing business. It can be a new technology. Someone creating an app or or someone deciding to to run a podcasting business. Yeah, it, it just, it can be anything. Entrepreneurism is, it's just a way of life. It's a, it's a mindset, if you will. Um, it takes someone who's probably just a little bit on the nuts side to make it happen. Um, and that's not to meant to be a slam to anybody, but you, you have to be committed. And that's important. Because without it, I, I can't think of any of the entrepreneurs that I know anywhere that there wasn't at some point a real understanding of the risk that you had taken because you were already into it. They may not have understood it in the beginning, but at some point they learned it, that there is real risk that's associated with it. And with that risk comes the chance to not be successful. Um, and then there's the chance to make it successful. You know, statistics always talk about the number of people that fail at business. Most of them probably stop before they should. They Very give up, interesting. They give up too soon. Very interesting. So you think a lot, of, a lot of that statistic is, like you say, that focus and that commitment, just not being able to hold on for the ride and and truly see something something through as as far as it can our, as they can possibly take it. Our last business is a perfect example. Had that money not arrived, we would have struggled on. Would we have made it? Probably not. That investment made the difference. But prior to that investment, everything else had to be on the table. Everything else had to be all in, or that would have never happened. You have to be willing to, to do it. So be ready for some dark days. Oh, man. <laughs> Emotional it, roller coaster, it darker, sounds like. <laughs> darker than, than dark. Um, you, know, you, can't, you, can't see, you can't see the trees or the forest or the blades of grass because your face is down in mud and you're covered up, and it feels like the weight of the world's crushing you. But all you have to do is stand up. And sometimes it takes a helping hand. And they're out there, though. I mean, a lot of the entrepreneurs in our business, in our community that have been there before are willing to help out. They're willing to, to mentor someone. Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the interview. If so, check out our next show, where we talk with Will and Becky Roberts of Stable Livestock Equipment. Will and Becky competed in the 2015 IDFS competition and are back to tell us what they've been up to since then. If there is an entrepreneur, individual, or business in the community that you guys would like to hear from and learn more about, email your suggestions to idfsdanville at gmail.com.
lot of people, especially with fledgling ideas, are they they say they're nervous to tell, to share it? What if somebody wants to steal it? Or they're nervous to share it? You know, what if somebody thinks it's stupid? What if them thinks it's a bad idea? What has been your experience with getting your ideas out there for people to hear? For w- whether it be you know a man on the street versus an, a, a mentor. Why why is it important to get your idea out there? Well, I think first and foremost, um, it's important to get your ideas out there because no one has all the answers to all the questions. Um, Right now, I'm playing an advisor role within the Small Business Development Center Network. Um, And people come in and they have their ideas and they share them. And a lot of them are very good ideas. And we define the market and we talk about cash flow because those are the two biggest issues out there. But if you're not willing to share your idea, then you're not willing to get any kind of feedback. And that's usually the sign of somebody that's not going to make it. Even the ones that have new technologies, you can share a broad concept, but you don't have to share all the proprietary information. What I generally tell people is share enough of your idea that you can get some feedback so you can understand the market. But don't give away the secret sauce. You don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. If somebody asks you for the secret sauce, you need to be very careful about what you tell them. Um, Unless it's patented and protected and you're willing to go to court, which is a whole other story altogether. But yeah, put it out there. The worst thing that can happen is somebody will laugh at you and tell you it's stupid. And you know what? They might be right, but they also might be wrong. And it's up to you, the entrepreneur, to decide whether or not you're going to listen to them. More people will tell you it's a great idea and never want to talk to you about it again because that's not what they truly thought. So when you talk to folks, you want to get an honest opinion. Okay, Choose who you talk to wisely. But don't be afraid for negative feedback because it's just feedback. You can choose to listen to it or not. Easy one. Or not so easy. <laughs> what, what is your key to success? Um, perseverance is probably the most important thing. Um, uh, I'm really not the best person in the world to sustain a business long term because I get bored. Um, hence, being a serial entrepreneur. But um, you know, I just I, I relish the challenge. So why not? You know, just keep pushing. I pushed. One of them was not a very good success story. Um, it ended up closing after about a year and a half. Um, I don't call it a failure because I learned so much from it, but. Financially, it was not a success. I mean, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned a lot of things not to do for the next one. So it's the perseverance factor. You have to be just slightly crazy and not stop. What is one business idea that Danville could take advantage of? That you, you feel the opportunity is present, that is not being jumped upon by anybody. For, for years, it might have been... The warehouses, for, for you know, for, what is something unique to this area that you see as as a gaping hole oh, that man. other people may not see, may not see as quite the opportunity you do? That's a question I don't know that I can answer. Um, Danville, like every other place that I've lived, and I'm an army brat. I lived and I was in the army, so I've lived around the world. Um, like every there's. There's so many different things that are available, so many different opportunities. I think our greatest opportunity, if you want me to single it down to something, is helping build an entrepreneurial base 
that allows people to, oh, this is going to come across terribly, but I'm not going to pull a punch, pull them up by their bootstraps. What role do you see entrepreneurship playing in the, in the economic development game? And do you believe that there is a one-size-fits model for how localities can attract and, more importantly, cultivate businesses homegrown? For me, the short answer is no, there's no silver bullet. There is an understanding that the ecosystem in a community, and I'm just going to really refer to Danville, Pennsylvania County, and Caswell County, North Carolina, because that's our neighborhood. Um, It has to be a combination of growing and developing gardening, if you will, our entrepreneurial base. Um, Because of our history, we have entrepreneurs, but we don't have a lot of history of entrepreneurship at least in the last two or three generations from what I can see. There are some. There are some that are very successful. Your grandfather was one of them. Um, so there is, there is that that's out there. But there's also the need to bring in industry, the go hunting, if you will, for stuff. And that's what most of the economic developers do. But the reality is, for our region, we need a little bit of both. The last thing I personally want to see is our community bringing in a super large employer. Because then everyone will think everything's all better and hunky-dory until that business goes out in 15 or 20 years. And then we're back to where we started from. We need a diversified tax base, and that's what businesses are. But you also have to, you have, to have a system in place to help those businesses get started. And that's what I refer to as the entrepreneurial ecosystem. It's rather complex, but it's incredibly important. Um, there's a book out called Startup Communities. It was written by Brad Feld. If you haven't read it, go read it. Um, if there's a template for an entrepreneurial ecosystem around technologies and other types of businesses, um, Boulder, Colorado is that. And that's where Brad came from. Um, so he wrote this wonderful treatise on entrepreneurial ecosystems. And it is all the bits and pieces that go into helping entrepreneurs grow and prosper. Um, there are some fundamental differences between, if you will, the perfect ecosystem and what we have in our community today. Some of those are cultural um, and some of those are tactical. But strategically, all the major pieces are here. You have, you have the university. We have two universities in our backyard. Well, one's a community college, but we have two community colleges, actually, if you count um, the one in Piedmont. And you have... Averett University. So we we have an educational platform. Um, We have a pipeline of students coming up through our school systems, both private school and public school. Uh, We have lending institutions, both traditional and non-traditional. We have business advisory groups. We have the lawyers, the accountants. We have all of that kind of stuff. We have a small business development center. We have a free enterprise center. Um, We have a variety of economic development entities throughout the community. So all of those bits and pieces are there. Um, they just haven't really coalesced into a no wrong door operation where, Jeff, if you decided to start a business today and you had an idea, where do you go? Do you know the answer to that question? And if you went to the Chamber of Commerce, would they know where to send you if it wasn't for them to do? And the chambers are also a vital part of it. So, I mean, we have all the bits and pieces. There is a movement afoot to bring the ecosystem together. 
and I'm beginning to see that. Um, and that's exciting for me because I think it's absolutely critical. Um, but culturally, we also have to make some changes. If you fail in a business startup in this community, I'm afraid people label you as a failure. The reality is you learn some good ways not to do something. Celebrate that failure, if you will, and take those skills and experiences and put them to work either within a, another business or that person doing something else. Well, like I said, Michael, I really appreciate you spending this time with us. I, I know I enjoyed it. I hope that. If we have, if we ever do get any listeners, hopefully they will, they will also enjoy it. This show is supported by The Launch Place, based in Danville, Virginia. The Launch Place offers comprehensive services to entrepreneurs to plan, fund, and grow their businesses. Visit www.thelaunchplace.org to learn about their consulting services and seed funding. We'd also like to thank the Danville Science Center for hosting this recording. Visit their new exhibit, Design Zone, today. To learn more about their new exhibit and their operating hours, visit www.dsc.smv.org.